Welcome to the Catch Fire Podcast. Once again, my name is Pastor Al, and I am here with my brother, my good friend. I say he's like a brother from another from another mother, from all the way from Brooklyn, New York. My good friend, Reverend Adam Dursos, in the building today. Yeah, Pastor Al, man, I'm glad to be here. Bro, I'm so blessed to have you on the show, and you know, how you feeling, man? Well, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. First of all, the weather's <laughs> gorgeous. God lives in San Diego, you can tell. And uh, it is great to hang out with you and chop it up and get to talk leadership and really just ignite people's hearts for what God wants to do when he comes to anoint their leadership. And that's what I love about you, Adam. You know, you're, you're not the typical leader. You're spirit-filled, you're prophetic. God is using you in a mighty way, not just in New York, but literally all over the world. And, you know, for our viewers, maybe you can kind of share with them a little bit about your upbringing in the ministry and how it all got started for you. Sure. I mean, uh, my mom and dad became pastors when I was eight years old. First daughter church to come out of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And uh, when my dad went to Brooklyn to start the church, he left a very lucrative family business. Uh, it's a food business that has been on uh, the Food Network and Throw Down with Bobby Flay and Best Ravioli in New York. And uh, you don't get to look like this unintentionally, Pastor. <laughs> I'm on. just saying. I know and, you're talking. About. <laughs> and so, um, you know, my desire was I am going to get everything my dad forfeited. Mm -hmm. And so as I became uh, a, a preteen, I started to look for ways to get what my dad gave up in my mind. Mm -hmm. He had given up uh, the money, the, the the BMWs, the Mercedes, the homes. My right. grandparents had three homes, including the Virgin Islands in Florida. And it was going to be my role to get that back. Wow. And so I started early. I started working. I went to school. By the time I was in high school, I was working 30 hours a week, going to high school. I had great grades, got a leadership scholarship to go off uh, to University of Rhode Island. Right. Right. And after my freshman year and wilding out and just living a very ungodly lifestyle, God grabs a hold of my heart. Come on. Man. My mom had been praying and fasting for me for 10 plus months. And I just got the understanding that even if you are not looking for God, God will come looking for you. Mm. He grabbed a hold of my heart. Uh, I transferred schools. I wound up at Baruch College in Manhattan. And okay. then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I had this vision of a building filled with young people. I mean, 800 plus young people in this building and worshiping God. But you have to know is that there were only 18 kids in the church. Okay, so listen, I think people need to understand that there was a revival that broke out with young people. Yes, sir. In the 90s, and the Lord used you as a catalyst for that revival. Uh, talk a little bit about what took place at your church and how many young people were getting saved. Yeah, so I mean, I got to grab the hold of my heart. And I recognized that God could grab a hold of anybody's heart if they were praying and fasting and believing. Mm -hmm. And so we said, you know what, we're going to set the date, day after Thanksgiving, 1996. Let's believe God to fill this building. Mm -hmm. And lots of people, well-meaning, I think, I think lots of mature saints and people that were in leadership said, you know, I think you're setting your hopes up too high. I think mm -hmm. you're going to be disappointed. But I remember hearing and reading the verse that said, they that hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. They will not mm -hmm. be put to shame. Come on. And I was going to believe God. And so uh, there were seven youth leaders. We each took a day of the week, began to pray and fast. And then the day after Thanksgiving, 1996, the building's packed. There's a line around the block to get into a church. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, God grabs a hold of the hearts of young people. 60 kids give their heart to the Lord that night. Happens again in February. Happens again in May. First time we incorporate Christian hip-hop. And I'm preaching yeah. and now 250 kids are giving their heart to the Lord in one See, night. Okay, look, real quick, man. It's amazing how when revival breaks out, and, I, and I've studied this, and I've experienced this myself, you always know the day it happens. Oh, absolutely. The day after Thanksgiving. Yes, Something was released yes. there in Brooklyn, New York. That's yep. amazing, man. And then it was amazing because like fire, 
Right. Right. Because then, like, you know, when it was yeah. ignited, it was an upper room. But then all of a sudden, it's like, it just explodes. Yes. And, you know, you can't stop it and it starts to spread. And right. all of a sudden, high schools were impacted and right. neighborhoods are impacted. And so now there's 800 yeah. plus young people coming, junior high school and high school, yeah. every Friday night. Right. And the New York Times is like, why is there a line around the block right. to get into a church on a Friday night? That don't make no sense. Right. I mean, God was doing something so powerful. I remember when Georgina and I started the UTC, the Urban Training Center in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Yeah. All we kept hearing about was the revival taking place through you. Youth Explosion is yes, what it was sir. called right there in Brooklyn. Uh, it was not only getting publicity on the newspaper and the magazines, but we were hearing about it in the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, we were doing truths with Nikki Cruz and everybody yep. was talking about Youth Explosion, man. And and you guys reached about a thousand young people, didn't you? Oh yeah. I mean, every single week. And 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 now all of a sudden crime rate was dropping in direct proportion to the amount of kids that were coming in mm -hmm. the building right. in both Brooklyn and Queens. The, once the New York Times talked about it, then it was MTV and it was BET yeah. and then it was Vibe magazine. And all of a sudden it just began to explode and then explode the whole church. Okay, so listen, people, you know, some millennials, third waivers, uh, yep. Z, they don't understand magazines. Okay. Okay, they go on the internet. But at that time, you had The Source. Yep. That was the number one hip-hop magazine. You had Vibe magazine. You had Vibe magazine. And I think that was like Def Jam magazine. Yeah. Russell Simmons magazine. Yep. So to be in Vibe magazine, I mean, like I heard 50 Cent was on the cover. 50 Cent's on this cover. The backdrop of the table of contents is a youth altar call, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. And it's, I mean, this magazine is filled with all types of stuff. And so you're conflicted. Like on one side, I want our young people to celebrate what God's doing. There's right. six pages with no advertisement. And kids lined up around the block and worshiping the Lord. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff in the magazine yeah. that is just like, terrifying to send to kids. <laughs> I know, right? You know, like, no, no, no. I wasn't looking at that page. I yeah, was yeah, only yeah. looking at the youth but explosion but page. Isn't that like God? Yes. You know, he's called us to be a light in dark places. 100%. You know, when, you know, so many preachers have quoted Acts 17, 6. These who turn the world upside down. That wasn't some Christian publication or Christian group saying that about the church. That was secular society. And New York. Yes, that's that's really what, when, when you know you're making an impact, it's when the society around you has to say, surely the living God is in that place. They're, yeah. they're doing something that nobody else is doing. Oh man, and and, and uh, not only were you impacting New York, but all the East Coast and, and, and up and down the East Coast seaboard, I mean, powerful. And um, you know, uh, that, that's how you started. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord yeah, separated man. you, anointed you, you, you know, your leadership caught fire. And, and, uh, you know, now you lead an organization called lead New York city. And, yep. I, and, and you've been so gracious to have Georgina and I to come and speak to your team. Your yep. offices are right there on wall street. Yes, sir. Uh, beautiful offices up in the high rise. You can see the Brooklyn bridge. I mean, just gorgeous, but tell the people, how God is using Lead New York City and what's Lead New York City all about? Yeah, so after pastoring my dad for 20 years and seeing the church grow to 4,000 plus and a community development corporation, all that we did there, um, I stepped out and uh, now am leading for the last five plus years, Lead NYC. We have our offices down by Wall Street, like you said, at uh, Nyack College and Alliance Theological Seminary, which is really the premier Christian educational yes. uh, place in New York, Absolutely. influencing the body of Christ there. And um it's a it's a place where leaders are nurtured in community for the spiritual and social flourishing of what has become the New York megalopolis. They're coining the phrase that New York at the epicenter, up to Boston, out to Philly, down to the Beltway. It's 50 million people, Jesus. and that can re literally reverberate 
around the world of what God's doing there that on is, the ground. That's incredible. Megalopolis. Megalopolis. And when we were there with you, uh, you, you have a staff that's so diverse, you know, multicultural, multi-generational. Yes, sir. Um, different churches that are serving with you. You guys just did a retreat for 300 pastors. We did. We, we took, uh, now it's the 32nd year this pastor's retreat has been going on, except for the one year during COVID where we had to go virtual. Uh, every year it's been in person. And so last week, uh, pastors came out uh, they spent time together, and it is not only the largest and longest running of its kind, it's the most diverse. So you've got all types of different worship expressions. You've got all types of different cultures and ethnicities represented in the room, and the speakers were amazing. People were just encouraged and edified, and uh, they left there in a, like, I don't even know if they needed to drive back home. They could have ran back home <laughs> yeah, with what happened. Floated there. back home on the cloud. You had A.R. Bernard speak. Absolutely. A.R. Bernard, uh, Pastor John Tyson, Dr. David Ireland. Uh, we had a, uh, Nona Jones, uh, who's the head of uh, uh, Faith-Based Partnerships for Facebook. Yeah. Uh, we, we had we had tremendous thought leaders speaking into the life of these pastors. It was called Restoring Hope. Every one of the themes right. or the sessions had a different theme, whether it was hope for the weary or hope for the next generation, right. hope for the battle. It was an amazing experience. Powerful. And I, and I love to talk about prayer, Pastor Adam, or Reverend Adam, or my brother. I love Just talking about Adam, prayer. Adam, your brother. That's Adam, that's enough for me. Adam, yeah, you're my brother. Listen, I love to talk about prayer because the thing about it is that nothing happens without the power of God. 100%. And, and the fact that you've been, uh, this prayer meeting has been going on for 32 years, you know, uh, that that's that's a hotbed for revival. Yes, sir. Union. We're believing for revival on the East Coast. We're believing for revival around the world. Yes. But, you know, uh, how important is prayer in leadership? And, and maybe you could talk a little bit about how, how a leader can catch fire in prayer. Yeah, I mean, when you think about New York City over the last 30-plus years, yes, it was a, a place, a hotbed for murder rates and cr crime yeah. rates and uh, Bronx's burning and all the things you heard in the 80s and the early 90s that were happening during that time. Now, I do give credit for... Uh, parts of government and different facets of what was happening in New York that changed it. But I also believe with 100% yeah. that the reason why New York City is the, lar uh, the the safest large city in America is because people have been praying. Right. The clergy have come together to right. pray. And when we choose to come together in a united front, we understand that there's power in agreement. Right. You know, so if we stop differing on the minors and the things that don't really matter as much as right. we give them credit for right. and say, you know what? I can look past my view on this. And you right. can look past your view on eschatology or you can right. look past what's going on so that we can come together. Then if one puts a thousand a flight to 10,000 and go. when we're doing that in prayer, we get to a place where we understand and see exponential impact on a city on a region, we start to change the spiritual dynamics of what are happening there so that churches are being planted and growing, evangelism is happening. That all happens as a result of prayer. Absolutely, I love what you said. Uh, you were meeting with our team yesterday and you said, you know, as leaders, we have to come back to his power. You know, uh, Paul boasted in his weakness, didn't he? 100%. And you know, we have a lot of uh, young leaders that tune into this podcast. And, and sometimes I think that the temptation is to put out our strengths. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit how important it is to to, you know, to, to continue to be real as a leader and to understand, like, you know, people are not looking for, for perfect leaders. They're yes. looking for leaders that are willing to be perfected. Yeah, I think, you know, part of the social media culture that we've had 
um, is that we we boast our highlight reel, right? right. Every, every time we post, it's a top 10 play. And the truth of the matter is life isn't like that. No. Uh, life is not the top 10 plays of the week. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is, one, it, be, it begins to breed uh, a comparison game, which is just not healthy. Two, it takes away from understanding that where my human strength ends, right. that's where God's power begins. Right. And it's okay for me to say, hey, I'm not as strong in this or I'm deficient in this because God is going to make up the difference. And as a result of God making up the difference, he then gets the glory. Absolutely. The minute we start to take credit for stuff that God should get glory, he starts to back up. Absolutely. And so it's in my weakness that I get to announce God's power is made perfect. And I get to lean into him and say, God has done stuff that I didn't deserve for him right, to do right. in my life. And so right. his power is then evident in a leader's life. Now, let me say this. If you're vulnerable with the wrong people, that's unhealthy. Right. We're not saying that you should just be vulnerable with everybody. No. no. A, a leader has to understand that there are right. people in your life, right. like I have with you, Al, right. that I can literally say, hey, I know I could trust my brother. I could right. share with you some stuff. I could tell you what's going on in my family. And no, that's yeah. not going to wind up on right. Facebook. That's not going right. to be on some veiled reference on a podcast no, no, right. somewhere. But I know my brother's going to yeah. pray for me because right. if a leader has nowhere to be vulnerable, eventually they implode. Yeah, you know, it's so powerful when you talk about the, what you're saying and, and about prayer, you know, I've been, I've had this in my spirit lately is that God is not just looking for open vessels. He's not just looking for willing vessels, but he's looking for broken vessels. Wow. And one thing that I've learned in doing the ministry all the years is once pride steps on the platform, God steps off. And I, I feel like this generation really needs to hear this is that, you know, private prayer equals public power. A hundred percent, man. Public power. You know, there's three types of preachers and, and I've really been kind of really going in on this lately in my study, you know, there's, there's preachers that kill, you know, they get up there with no, no prayer, mm. right? It's all prep. It's all, you know, it's all one-liners. Yep. Then there's preachers that thrill. Okay. These are the people that preach to the crowd. They're looking for man's approval, but then there's those preachers that fill mm. and the preachers that fill the heart that the power of God can move through are the preachers that have spent time in the prayer. hundred percent, man. You know, and, and I look at you, Adam, as one of those guys. I mean, when you get up in the platform, it, it's it's prophetic it's revelation you can sense the anointing moving and i know that you've experienced personal pain in your life you know uh you know god will turn your pain into your pulpit 100 percent. i think we learn far more in our pain than we do in our blessing mm. i mean the people of israel were always closer to god in the midst of difficulty it was when they started getting blessed that they forgot about god when they moved away mm. from god and so i've learned in my life that whether it's in my leadership or it's in my preaching or it's in the level of my anointing or my prayer life it is in the difficult places. What did we say the other day? You were quoting the verse. You were saying, you know, it was good for me to be afflicted. afflicted. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that resonates because when you understand, no, it was the process I went through. Right. Especially because we overestimate the destination right. and underappreciate the journey. We, we 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 see the destination as that's it. No, no, no. It's in the daily walk. It's right, in the crucible right. of walking through the trials and the crisis right. and the difficulty that God forms you and he makes you. And that's where the anointing, right. that's where it comes from right there. Let, let, let's pause here. I feel fire. I feel fire, man. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like there are people that are catching fire just, just sitting under the sound of your voice today. But let's talk a little bit. Let's take a little bit of time to talk about these last two years, mm. 2020. 2021 COVID. Um, we came into this thing. It just sprung up upon us. Uh, you know, I don't think there was a prophet in the earth that 
declared, maybe David Wilkerson, but declared that this was coming. Uh, it sprung everybody by surprise. And we lost a lot of leaders. Yeah, we did. We lost a lot of people in the church. Um, you know, even some churches still haven't opened up their yeah. doors. Um, what do you feel is happening in the church? What is happening? You know, we've lost, we've lost some things, haven't we? Yeah, we, we have. Um, 2021, 2020 were difficult years, particularly because COVID uh, brought us to a place where we had to really be assured of our hearing God and leaning into our convictions. Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes, uh, pastors were criticized for opening their doors mm -hmm. because they lacked wisdom. Right. Or if they stayed shut, then they lacked faith. Right. And then you compound that with uh, George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and, 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 and the incidents of, of, of racial unrest that were now reaching the, the surface and everything else had quieted down. It was right. almost like he, God had to clear the noise. You yeah. know, there's no Broadway to distract you. There's no sports team to distract you. Right. There is nothing except the reality of what we were dealing with. Right. And pastors that leaned in and said, God, I need you to show me. I need to hear from you, God. I, I, I want to, I want you to help me to, to move through this and to even grow or become innovative grew their churches. Right. The, the guys that didn't and were, were, were fearful or were overwhelmed in that moment. Many right. of them will never open again. Yeah. You know, I told my team, uh, when COVID came, I mean, I think it was the first day or two we had a meeting emergency zoom. We, I was in LA. We were, we got on Zoom and I just said, get ready because this thing's going to expose all of our weaknesses. 100%. So everything that has been unkept and unresolved and everything that is left dangling, it's going to be gone. And I even told our church, I think it was like the first week, you know, that we're going to take a 50% hit on attendance. Mm. And it, it's kind of heavy because it was almost like a prophecy, a self-fulfilling prophecy because, you know, we did experience that hit in attendance. But the thing that I was blessed about is that a lot of the discipleship we did in the four years prior, all those people made it through. Yeah. You know, our church remained strong. The doors remained open. Giving went to another level. Uh, but we started to identify some areas where we were weak. And I really think like as people are listening to this broadcast or they're, they're really saying, God, what is it that you're trying to do? I think we got to be careful that we don't go back and try to resurrect something yes. that God has finished with. Yep. You know, um, during that whole time of COVID, I feel like God gave us a big Sabbath. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he just let the earth rest. He let the church rest. He let leaders rest. He, he just gave us a time to press in with him. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm praying and I believe that through these two years that there's been a realignment of priorities. There's been a realignment of vision. Yes. You know, it's important not just to walk in your assignment, but you've got to walk in alignment with God. 100%. And anything that was dislocated got relocated. It's like the valley of dry bones. Yep. You know, and he prophesied to the dry bones and they came and they stood up as mm. a mighty, mighty army. And then he prophesied to the wind and they were filled. And I feel like we're, we're coming out of a season of shaking, but now we're going into a season of shaping. Yes. Now's the time to take the people that are with us and start envisioning them again. A hundred percent. I mean, how important is that? When you when you think about in the Old Testament, right? The prophet says that our God sits like a silversmith, mm. and he there's a fire underneath the silver, and as the silver melts down, the dross, the imperfections, there you go, rise to the top. 
Now the silversmith's got to be careful because mm -hmm. there's a really fine line between burning and damaging the product, mm. what is pure, and allowing the dross to get to the top so it can be skimmed away. And the way the silversmith knows that the perfections are gone is he or she can see their image yeah, that's right. in the silver. That's right. I really believe that through COVID, like you were just, were just saying, we have seen the fire, the crucible of a global pandemic heat the church. Ooh. And Jesus, who is building his church, we talked about that the right, other day. That's right. He's building his church, wants to see his image, not my image, not your image that's in right. the church, wants to see his image in the church, is sitting there saying, okay, I got it to the point where I've skimmed away the dross, I can see my image, mm. and now what happens? Now the melted silver has to be formed Good Lord. into the product that's right. that it was meant to become. Absolutely, and and, that, that's powerful. And what, it's exactly what you're saying. So we've gone right. through that system, we've gone through that season, we've seen that happen, and I believe with Omar, we are now seeing the formation right. Right. of what this church is going to look like moving forward. And I don't mean just the local church. I mean the big C church across the globe. There you go. You know, I believe we're going into a season of fashioning. Yes. God is fashioning tools. He's fashioning weapons. Yes. He's fashioning instruments. Yes, sir. And I believe that he's fashioning those instruments for revival. I agree. And, and like I said, it begins in the foundation. You know, it begins in the prayer closet. It begins in preparing yourself in the word. It's all about hunger. Yes. It's all about hunger. And, and, and we've talked about a lot of things so far today. Um, you were talking last night about hunger. How important is, is it for this generation to be hungry for the things of God? You know, one of my favorite verses over uh, all 25 years of my ministry has been, the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. Um, I found with leaders that there are many gifted, talented, skillful leaders, many that I've, I've looked at and admired for the raw talent, gifting, and ability that God has put inside of them. But many don't have the hunger to be shaped and formed and sharpened into what God wants them to be. Mm. Um, I've seen many of them that were just, they're gifted and they're, they're talented, but there's a difference between simply being gifted and talented and being anointed and empowered. The Bible says of David, when they were looking for somebody to play for Saul, he was both, he played skillfully and the Lord was with them. That's right. There's a combination of God's gifting, his anointing and his power on somebody and working at your gift and talent and strengths so that you can do it skillfully. Mm. And this generation has seen stuff come easier than previous generations. Yeah. The rise of social media has put right. people into a place where they have grown churches in five and 10 years that took previous generations 25 to <laughs> right. 50 years to grow. Right. Uh, the explosion of fans across so many different platforms right. have allowed these young leaders to step into places and allowed the doors for them to be open into atmospheres and into leadership that it's going to take their character formation to keep them in the room. Mm -hmm. Your your gifts and your talent can take you to a place that your character may not sustain you. Okay, that's powerful. And, you know, I feel like, you know, this generation, they're hungry. They are hungry. And you sense that hunger in them. How important is it to maintain your hunger 
but not be in a hurry. Wow. Because I feel like there is a lot of speed. God wants to do things quickly. We, we are up against the last days. We, we, are, we are in the end times. But how is it, you know, if you're in your 20s, early 20s, mid-20s, you know, even possibly even late 20s, how is it to, how, how can you stay hungry and not be in a hurry? Yeah, I think that's that's brilliant, Pastor Al. I think, um, you know, so many leaders are time poor. Hmm. We um, we figured out a way to become efficient at a lot of things. Um, I think leaders are doing a better job with their funds and their money and, and other things. But what we are is time poor. We feel stretched. Um, uh, the the you know existence of cells and iPads and all the different things that we use that can be a use for us have robbed us of our free time. We're no longer at any point in our life inaccessible. Mm. We we don't turn yeah, it right, off. Right, right, we're right, we're right. you know always on. Always on. We live in a perpetual always on mentality. Right. I, I no matter where I am, whether I'm in Starbucks or I'm in my pulpit, whether I'm with my staff or I'm with my family and friends, I recognize that I am always on, and as a result, it can produce this hurry that actually can allow you to outpace what God wants to do. Because here's the brilliance, right? <laughs> Jesus gets word that his friend, and the language is key here, his friend Lazarus is sick. Right. The one whom you love. There's a, there's almost a sense of manipulation. It's a pressure. It's it's a manipulation <laughs> in the language. Like, like hey, the, this crisis over here, right. uh, these people that you love, these people that have been part of your church, these yeah. people you've been leading. And it was a woman. You know, I mean. Women are good at that, aren't they? I'm, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, just I'm trying to keep my 22-year marriage I'm right there. I'm actually joking, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a sister and marriage. And Jesus waits four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could be considered cruel. Um, is he? Is he just like? Is he aloof? Yeah. Is is this guy just not paying attention? Yeah. I mean, four days he waits, and then he says, "Hey, we're gonna go wake up Lazarus. Nobody's got a clue what's really happening." And they're like, "We don't need to wake him up. Right. Either he's sleeping and he's gonna get better, or he's dead, and you don't you can't do anything about it." Right. And he finally gets there because he wants to do something that is unprecedented. People have seen him heal the sick. They haven't seen him raise the dead. And he wants them to know, I am the resurrection and the and life. I, I think just that alone, people put expectations of God when God can do so much more. Yes, 100%. You know, they wanted to see a healing. Right. Said, Jesus said, hold up, I'm about to do a resurrection. Absolutely. And as a result, if Jesus is rushed Going back to your point about busyness, of going about right. this feeling like, no, I, I gotta, I gotta, no, I gotta respond right now. Right. It's it, it actually in some ways is a lack of trust in the sovereignty of Almighty God. Right. But because Jesus doesn't do anything unless he sees the Father already at work in it. Right. He says, it's okay, it was good for me to wait. That's right. And now Lazarus is buried. Right. And the stench of death, he says, roll away the stone. No, it stinks like decay. Mm -hmm. And then he calls Lazarus forth. He says, take yeah. off those great clothes. Right? If Jesus is hurried, we never see the resurrection of Lazarus. We might have simply right. seen the healing. Let, let, let's stop here because um, I want to speak to young people. They're serving in their church. They're being envisioned. You know, They might have a desire to start a church or start a ministry. There, there's an urgency. Mm. There's a there's a, a that weight you know I read a book in Bible school called the tyranny of the urgent yeah you know and uh, how urgency could be tyrannical if you're not prepared and yep. you're not you know uh, planning and 
and setting a course for yourself and being ahead of the game. But there are a lot of people that are, are sitting in the church. They, they, they feel God has something big for them. But then, you know, David was in the cave, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he went through affliction. He went through rejection. Yep. I mean, if you could speak to this generation, how important is it to be patient in your church? Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and you and I, because we've been around ministry for 20 plus years, we've seen this. There's a group that went and there's a group that was sent. Mm. And the group that just went on their own, didn't have the right covering, didn't trust their leadership, felt oftentimes, and I hear this from a lot of young leaders, they feel like, well, they're just not ready for me to do what I'm going to do. Or they're just, yeah. you know, they're not going to hold me down. They're holding me down. And if, if you don't understand that anointing flows under authority, then you will move out quickly into right. something that you have not been formed or forged or shaped mm. to be able to accomplish. It's like a, a, a light wind might knock you over. hundred <laughs> percent. It was like what we said last yeah. night, you know, power. Yes. Comes by prayer and fasting and by the Holy ghost. It also comes by proximity. Talk about and that. And so when we think about leaders, if you want to be a leader, if you're a young leader aspiring to be a great leader, to serve, the best thing you can do is be around other leaders, be around leaders you can trust, be around leaders that God is already using, be around leaders that already have an anointing, have cultivated their character, that understand revelation, that understand how to lead a team. The best thing you can do, that preparation season, that side of the desert that Moses was on right. was something that comes into play right. because when he tries to do it on his own mm -hmm. and he rushes into it, right. he kills an Egyptian and there's death. Absolutely, jump the gun. And yeah. You know what? And that's what happens. We've got good, well-meaning. Right. I think Moses meant well. Right. I think he was trying to do the will of God. I right. think he recognized someone was like, we got good, strong, young leaders who right. are ready. They want to do something. They right. feel it. And then let me tell you something. If you're not patient on the timing of God, you will only produce death because the flesh only produces death. Mm. Spirit gives birth to life. Right. And so the best thing you could do as a young leader is say, hey, I am going to be in proximity. I'm going to ask my pastor, I'm going to ask those leaders, hey, you're going on that speaking engagement. Would you let me come? I just want to make sure I'm around you. I want to be in the room. I want to understand what it's like yeah. in the lead up. Because too many people think, Pastor Al, that when you get behind the pulpit, that it just happened. No, no. They have no clue what happened before that moment, right. the crucible, the crushing, the right. anointing that happened before you walked into right. that place right. so that you could deliver what God had put in no, your mind. No, and I, and I got to say, like, you know, there's so much in that, but I think I love aggressive leaders. I love aggressive young leaders. When I when I get young leaders around me, I, I, I like I always say, I'd rather apologize and ask for permission. 100%. You know, I like yep. young leaders that are going to press in. They're going to lean in. They're going to, they see a crack in the door. They're going to come right yep. through. They're coming serving. Yep. Hey, can I get you coffee? Yep. Hey, can I get in, you know, you need anything for the meeting? Can I, yes, set sir. Up, can I set up uh, the table? Can I set up a camera? Can I set up a light? Can I, you know, can I do anything, you know, just to get into the room? You know, I always say God makes way for a servant. Yes. And if, if there's anybody listening to this and, and that you're frustrated in your leadership, you're saying, hey, I'm not being, you know, in a sense, we have a generation that they want to be discovered, but do you want to be discipled? Yes. And I think we need to learn what it takes to become a disciple. And I always say, God makes a way for a servant, makes a way for somebody that's not too big to do the small or too small to do the big. So David's brothers go off to war. Right. He's back home handling the sheep, right? All this stuff. And his dad, Jesse, yeah. says, 
would you bring lunch to your brothers? Yeah, right. You know, here's some cheese, here's yeah. some other stuff. He packs it up. Right. And the only reason he's on the front lines to hear Goliath's taunts yeah. of the people of Israel is because he's, he's willing to bring lunch. That's right. I think there are too many young leaders who have missed their opportunity to knock down their giant. There you go. Because they were not willing to bring lunch. Good Lord. See, if you're willing to bring lunch, God will position you. That's right. If you're willing to do the ordinary, God will position you for the extraordinary. extraordinary right. He was there right. only for the simple reason right. that he was willing to bring lunch. And you got these young leaders. I love that too, man. I love, yeah. hey, lean in. Ask me to come on the trip. Don't wait for me to ask you. Ask it's, me, it's yo, a room can for I me. come can with I you? Come in? you got, I heard you got a leaders meeting tonight. I'll sit in the back of the room. Right. I won't even yeah. ask I'll a question. I'll drive you. What do you need me? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you do that, it is amazing how a supernatural yeah. opportunity is made available like it was yeah, for yeah, David. David, right. to kill Goliath, chop off his right, head, right, right. and eventually become the king of Israel. Yeah, we get we got to do away with that whole VIP status. A hundred percent, I man. just want to get in the green room. Yep. I just want to get backstage. Yep. Give me a badge. Give me yep. a bracelet. Look, man, you know, I started in the back row, you know, and I just said, man, whatever God, whatever you want to do, you know, and I started out in media ministry. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, you did sound ministry because well, every yeah. every good preacher I know today at some point did sound. Yeah, I did TV. We did tech. I, did, I did TV. Right. Yeah, that, I started out on TV. So I was there. Not, it is. I wasn't even a cameraman. I was setting up cables. Right. You're running cables? Yeah, little running, gaff tape? Running gaff tape. Yeah, I had, <laughs> had my tape, my little hook. Uh, I even still have my hook for my keys. <laughs> so this is my little hook that I see for my camera. I have to say for my keys to this day. Just reminds me of where I came from. Yes. And, um, you know, um, you know, I just fell in love with serving and doing small things. And, and it was just somehow like, you know, putting myself in a place to, you know, get close to men of God. Yes. You know, I was able to serve, of course, my pastor, Pastor Sonny, for many years. I mean, I have so many great stories that I could tell about different experiences I had with him and traveling with him and serving him. Also other men like Nikki Cruz yep. and um, just, just different, different preachers and just, you know, learning as much as I can, just taking as much as I can. You know, I got sent out at a young age. I, my wife and I, we got sent out when I was 22 or 23 years old to the East Coast. So we were very young. But if, if I look back and I could talk to myself, talk to my younger self at this age, you know, I, I probably would say, you know, take your time. You know, because there were so many things. Yeah, I learned on the field. There was a lot of things I learned out there that I couldn't have learned anywhere else and, and no greater place to learn than East Coast. But looking back, there was just a lot of things that I still needed to grow in. An area of character, my marriage, my family life. You know, it was like my whole life was under the gun. Yeah. Just building this ministry, trying to make it go. And God did it, you know, by the grace of God, we built that ministry. But at the same time, you know, there were repercussions down the road. And so, you know, if, if you're a young leader listening, man, just continue to serve, be patient, wait on the Lord. Uh, your time is coming. Your time is, is going to come faster than you think. So really enjoy your time serving and preparing. Don't come out of the cave too early. Yes, sir. You might get your head cut off. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so. You know, sometimes a leader, always a learner. Yeah. And I, you know, I think when you're committed to that and you're committed to saying, God, I want to be taught. Yeah. Um, I want to be a better dad now than I was. Yeah. I want to be a better husband. Right. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better shepherd. I want to be a better teacher. I think in all of those places, as God cultivates you, he will use you in greater platforms and open up doors that you didn't have to force your way into. Right. He will open up the door 
You yeah. don't got to jiggle the lock. He will open up the door mm -hmm. that no man can shut. And right. He will shut a door that no man can Absolutely. open to position you exactly where he wants you. Absolutely. Man, this is a catch fire leadership. I'm, I'm ignited. I'm, I'm ignited. I don't know what everybody so else is thinking. This got, is awesome. I've gotten so many sermons out of this talk, man. I'm, I'm like literally burning right now. <laughs> I know it, but Adam, I want to thank you for coming on today. Pass out, man. My man. privilege, my honor, just being around you. I, I, I feel like proximity, being around you, watching you with your team, learning and just seeing all of that, man. I'm, I'm loving it. I appreciate you as a brother, man, as a friend, as a leader. I honor you with the anointing that God has placed on your life, man. And it it's been my honor and privilege to be on this yeah, podcast. And we're real brothers, man. So, yes, sir. you know, after this, we're going to go hang out. We're going to go hang out. We're going to exactly. go get lunch. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Catch Fire. Make sure to subscribe. Click the little subscribe button. Use that little finger. Subscribe to this podcast and also share this podcast to any leader that you believe God has a calling upon their life. And I pray that you'll catch fire. Thanks for tuning in.